0: the Irish Led Zeppelin intro.
1: welcome everyone to episode 150 of the light shed podcast on today saint patrick's day march 17th 2023 brandon ross walter pisik richard greenfield the dream team coming where did you
0: get that song from like how did you even know to pull up that song for saint patty's day like, a, do you know this band, Dropkick only, Murphys?
1: So the only thing I did know, and this is probably, I think, from Budweiser commercials, and I'm not kidding, was that, like, the St. Patrick's Day band is the Dropkick Murphys. So I went on Spotify, put in Dropkick Murphys, listened to yeah, three or four different songs, and then I, uh, I I like this one. It's It's called Research, Rich. It started by jogging my memory, and then I looked into it a little further.
2: I certainly don't mind coming or missing, or I certainly don't miss coming into the city on St. Patrick's Day with everyone that rides the train in and out for the festivities that occur there.
0: It gets a little uh, nasty, doesn't it? Uh, Especially late at night. The only thing I like—I
2: call it—I call it Amateur Day.
1: (laughs) <laughs> like you're Santa one time con, a year Santa when con is break. amateur I, I
0: was thinking right uh, I was you're thinking right. Right, it feels like Santa con that type of a day everyone's bar crawling it,
1: it, yeah but it is and obviously there's a celebration of um, the Irish people and that, that's great It's I think it's the hangar honors that um, that may ruin it for everyone
2: Rich, do you prefer Jameson or Bushmills Jam- <laughs> Jameson good name JMO. Good man. That I mean, is the I've right side pick. of town. I
0: mean, if I had a <laughs> the
2: right side.
0: Uh, bit busy week for us this week, Rich. A lot of stuff. A lot of corporate access, a lot of meetings, a lot of, you know, we were hustling this week.
1: We were yeah. hustling?
0: Yeah. Host-
2: hustling. That was my, oh. my, that was my that- attempt to open you up to actually... Mark it a little bit and say what was happening. (laughs) Rich.
1: (laughs) I think he said he was hostiling because he was getting a little hostile last night on Twitter. He had to delete one of his tweets.
2: That is true.
1: I I went to a dinner. I came out. There were like 89 messages on WhatsApp between Rich and Walt because Walt thought Rich embarrassed him with one of his tweets. I still don't know what the tweet was.
0: I just got a little aggressive. So
1: yeah, you were hostile. Walter.
0: (laughs) <laughs> Walter, is my, Walter is my voice of reason and calm, which is That is, shock, is one of sure the scariest,
1: <laughs> that is actually the scariest thing I've ever heard. Actually, it, it's been interesting because in the wake of this Silicon Valley bank thing, which is what we were dealing with last weekend on the venture side of our business, at the end, you're like, I was so calm. I learned from Walt how to just be calm. I think I think my head. I almost went bald that day, from the top of my head popping off.
2: (laughs) Uh, I thought that was was also a shocking statement.
1: Yeah, I was like, Rich will stop at nothing lately to compliment you, Walt. I don't know if he feels like you're you're blue or something. No, I think, but that one was the most over the top of all of them. My theory is
2: this, Brandon, he's yeah. this is this is part of his therapy that there's like <laughs> the therapist is like, look, here's how you neutralize your tormentors. Yeah. <laughs> you you kill them with kindness and compliment them until they feel too guilty. But I cannot be cowed by such. I don't you know, I don't I don't think that's how poise. you deal with
1: a bully. You know how you deal with a bully? You, you punch kick him in the, the balls. nose.
2: Yeah, yeah, exactly.
1: So come at me. Brent, next, next. Lightshed dinner everyone's going to want to be a part of this like the, the next uh, industry dinner oh is that because you, the
0: trivia was so fucking awesome uh, like you did no, so you crushed you, it with the well, trivia contest
1: what you do is you come and you kick how one, many questions one. were about you zero <laughs> actually they were all about you and in fact i would like to i'll, I'll give an example so my favorite question of the night was and for every question that he audience, wrote, favorite
0: question that he wrote just to th- be clear. that
1: I wrote was in what year did rich give up his blankie? um this is one that we found out from his mother it was actually junior year of high school after he was dating his now wife for a couple of years i think his wife asked his mother i didn't interview. meet
0: my, my i didn't meet my wife in high school by the way
1: college. in college, college. sorry it, yeah so you are ruining this story
0: you're ruining you're this junior, story. junior year you're butchering of college. it you're butchering it it's so we're all, the, where all the
1: questions about me I let's let's go to the next question shall we or should or do you want to be spared rich well i'm going to save you you
2: on this rich because (laughs) yes that was a question at our dinner of industry people yes and not many people laughed at it brandon so good job coming up with that question
1: (laughs) everyone at my table was laughing
2: Uh, Were they laughing with you is one of those things like the Tony Soprano where, where his, uh, his buddies like, yeah, everyone's just laughing to make you feel better.
1: (laughs) (laughs) No one knew I wrote the question.
2: Oh, Oh, they knew. Oh, they knew. Everyone knew. Everyone knew.
1: (laughs) Can we go on to the first slide now? But because you know why? (laughs) That was great. We have to talk about baseball.
0: Oh God. (laughs) We're going to put our podcast listeners to (laughs) sleep. Well, I think the, the funny part about baseball, right, is that you got invited to the world baseball championship class at our dinner WBC. classic, whatever. You got yeah. invited at our dinner. I was actually within,
1: considering going. And, and within
0: 24 hours, you now never are ever, ever gonna even watch this event ever again. I can't. Right.
1: That it Edwin Diaz getting hurt like that ripped my heart out. I'm Aww. sorry. It did because Edwin wasn't just the best closer in baseball. God snore. Here we go. <laughs> he was the identity of the team. You know, best, best intro music since Mariano Rivera. Anyway, that's life as a Mets fan. Let's Does move this on. This guy
2: get injured stuff? because he had a pitch within like three minutes, as opposed to the seven minutes a pitchers typically take. No, pitch? they,
1: they didn't have was that it- in the world baseball classic. It was on the, it was, the he celebration was after oh. someone, I think it looked like someone kind of like lightly jumped on him and his knee yeah. must have buckled. It was a completely freak accident. Yeah. Um, but
0: okay, enough, we're moving on. That's enough. Thank God. I killed it.
1: What about Let's the basketball ahead. hoop on your head, Rich? <laughs> Can I Tech tweet Crunch. that out?
0: TechCrunch Tech
2: tweets, YouTube TV <laughs> hikes uh, price, hikes price, excuse me, to seventy two ninety nine per month. Due to rising content costs. That that is a eight dollar increase, I believe. Um, and then right. I guess below it, this is how Rich is defending his friends at YouTube. <laughs> He's saying, If if you say March Madness, we say multiview. Multiview streams are coming with some members, some I emphasize that because I do not have it. Some YouTube members having early access to this feature for the first round of March Madness. So Rich was trying to spin this on Twitter. So Was I'm he? Like, oh, did he do that? Yes, he did. So if you if you Was oh don't worry hustling? you increase price you're increasing price but you're getting more technology investment. So I pointed out to him on Twitter, as I'm prone to do, that did not include me. I just got the price hike without the incremental functionality. Same.
1: And, and you know like, it's you know it's coming though, Walt. Right.
2: Okay, yes. I don't think that's necessarily worth an extra seven dollars a month in perpetuity or eight. Ooh, ooh, excuse ooh. me.
1: But the What's bot- really.
2: Yes, and Rich, I don't think you ahead. can tie. And I don't think you can tie those things together. I think that's that was just.
1: <laughs> I'm gonna let's let Rich defend himself and be quiet. There's a spin job for your friends. Rich, go ahead.
0: I, I don't think multi view specifically. I do think the price increase time to the tournament was definitely not a coincidence. Right? Like, there's no doubt putting the price increase on the same day that you want access to YouTube TV to watch all the games easily. And they make it super easy to watch all of the games and flip even without Multiview. That was certainly timed. And Multiview, I think, only helps that. But I do think that it was certainly timed specifically for World
1: Madness. Of course. That's called being strategic. And (laughs) sure. Any management team worth shit is going to do things like that strategically. In fact, I would assume when Netflix raises price in the US, and we'll, I'm sure we'll talk a lot about you Netflix. mean pa-
0: password sharing raised price. You mean. Uh,
1: sorry, exactly. When when they cut password sharing in the in the US, I'm sure it'll be time to, you know, a good content cycle or something that's exciting to a preponderance of um of Netflix members, I think is the word. Um but look. This is this is the thing, and we could get into Fubo now because I know you're foaming at the mouth to talk about Fubo.
0: I actually bottom, I wasn't.
1: Okay, but bottom line is, content costs keep going up, and <laughs> you could either lose money on those subscribers, or you can raise price. The mutually the price of
0: destruction is on. YouTube TV was $35 six years ago. So it's gone yeah. up at about 12% a year over the six years. So um, that's obviously a pretty big rate of increase uh, and, and sort of speaks to the problem. Now, yeah, even at the price today of $73, it's still far cheaper than what you can get uh, from others, you know, if you think about the traditional, I mean, forget about what Comcast's face price is or charter, you're looking 20, 30 dollars plus of just fees for RSNs and retrans and all of that. So the fees add up, the box costs add up, like it is still way cheaper, even at that price,
1: and a way better experience, too. Sh- I sure, i might add. Walt, but what I'm actually, this is a good time to ask, Walt, Walt, is the experience way better? Because as we all know, and I think you still have your direct TV box you have just made the transition. Well, I was going to say, yes, it is better,
2: but I'd also say that I'll give the management teams credit. And I think Netflix does it the same way where when I logged on to YouTube TV, there's a banner that said your price has increased as opposed to um, cable companies or the satellite companies that'll just kind of Added it into the bill that's on auto pay anyway, you don't really know about it. And by the way, on the flip side of that, you'd say you just increase mm. my price. I could churn off immediately yep. um with YouTube TV again, as opposed to direct TV, where I get on the phone with someone for 20 minutes of my life and then you know have to return these boxes or whatever it is. So just across the board, it's better. And then the last point, um, just to 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 uh confirm, which everyone knows, even with that price increase. Even before I sent my boxes back, it's still much cheaper, <laughs> much much cheaper than I was paying for Direct TV.
0: Sorry. The, the, the only thing I wanted to highlight is what's actually happening behind me. The multi view that I got working last night with the four screens, it's actually Lucky all you
1: because Walt and I can't get it.
0: it. it's all in the cloud. So it's the first sort of time that they've done multi view. Fubo actually was one of the first to do it, but it's device. It only works on Apple TV, and it's resident to that device. This is actually cloud-based, and so ultimately, right now, they're programming it, so it only works for tournament games, but eventually, you'll be able to customize, and I'm sure this is all in motion for Sunday Ticket, which is coming in September, right, or, you know, whatever, first week of the football season. So my guess is this sort of technology where you can actually control what's in each of the four boxes or two boxes, whatever you want. Um, Cloud-based is going to be a big differentiator versus everyone else, and, you know.
1: So it's not like picture-in-picture. Like um, on the on the Quam boxes, I I used to like try and watch two games, but TVs were so small then that it was like this big. In the upper corner was like the Braves game when I was watching the Mets game. And what but was great is, is you. But just, why
2: is hold on? But why is that different than the functionality that already exists on ESPN's app as well as. The Directv Sunday Ticket app that I had before, I could do the same thing where I could pick whatever game I wanted and, st- and stick it in that square.
0: Uh, I believe with Directv, it's actually happening in the box.
2: No, I believe you didn't really hear what I just said.
0: App. Oh, Directv so has a Sunday app. Ticket
2: app in in the Directv app. I could do that. And no, the box you can't pick it like you said. They they pick the games for you. But Directv does right. in fact. Or did have, have Sunday Ticket have an app where you could actually do this? So it's not really new, um, right? And ESPN, I've done it on. I mean, yeah, I've
0: done it on both. Period. No one's done it on a VMVPD cloud based I guess it'll be the first time. Okay, that's,
2: that's. I mean, we're really narrowing it. Like that's like saying Sprint is the best wireless company of companies that are headquartered in Kansas City.
0: <laughs> okay, let's move on. Uh, Brandon, why don't you read this? Uh, we got two quotes from Zuckerberg.
1: Yeah, Zuck. Okay, leaner is better. Since his we neck re-
0: looks leaner too, there, don't you think? No, it not at all. Neck he looks leaner. buff. No, no, really? he looks. Dude, he's like
1: the ultimate fighter now. Yeah, I think he he should actually be on that show. Does that show still exist, Mark? No, no idea. Okay. Anyway
0: leaner is does we got a yes we got a yes it
1: does oh it does okay so i don't know why zuck but all his like mma vr training has really (laughs) paid off um (laughs) since we reduced our workforce last year one surprising result is that many things have gone faster in retrospect i underestimated the indirect costs of lower priority projects I believe we are working on some of the most transformative technology our industry has ever seen. Our single largest investment is in advancing AI and building it into every one of our products. We have the infrastructure to do this at unprecedented scale, and I think the experiences it enables will be amazing. Okay, so-
0: we I mean, to- that's a lot of let's, words.
1: Let's break this into two. One is about, the first one is about getting leaner, aka firing people, aka the blindfold thing right, that we discussed a couple of podcasts. The, the guy
0: sitting on the roof collecting checks.
1: Exactly. But beyond that, I think one of the bigger problems with big companies is that it's like moving a battleship to get anything done. There's inevitably, even in an organization that's not supposed to have red, red tape, and we've been through this through our careers um, on the research side, inevitably there is. And sometimes having too many C players around, or even B players, um, that that was an old rich adage, um, is, is a lot less efficient and leads to lower results. Yeah,
0: I think it's just, this is way too much middle management, and it's showing you that they can do this without hurting the overall direction of the company. They got too fat when things were absolutely amazing during the pandemic. Um, and, you know, you sort of flip to that second piece. I just can't believe that. I mean, it's great to hear that AI is the focus, but it's just funny how felt like it was all metaverse and VR and like, and just the fact that like he's highlighting how much of their cap's, uh, capital spend is AI and how that's sort of critical. I mean, It just
1: by the way, it's been that way, Rich. I mean, I remember it wasn't the narrative, but it
0: wasn't the narrative. It wasn't the
1: I of course. That's the
0: difference. Yes.
1: The investor relations piece is what has changed. But I remember going to you know F8s in 20, whatever, 14 or 15, and the whole narrative was we're doing this with AI, machine learning, AI, machine learning, whether it was on the ad tech side or it was on um. The feed side of the business, they, I mean, they were well into bots before you know Chat GPT. Uh, it, it's always been a big part of things. Now they're just, as you pointed out, highlighting it.
0: And just it just gives you more and more confidence about 2023. And I mean, obviously, investors reacted very positively to it this week, but because they're doing a us-
1: better IR job.
0: Yeah, they're they're telling yeah. the story better and Fair enough. The, you know, I think it makes it. First of all, it also when they tell the story like that, it makes you believe that sort of the engagement trends and sort of how they're pushing reels to be better and more video focused. Like all of that, I think comes through when you're talking about AI versus putting on a pair of goggles and that being sort of the future. And you're in, you know, talking about MMA virtual fighting with Joe Rogan. Like I just think that that shift is important, and they've really leaned away from. Emphasizing the word metaverse in just the past two quarters.
1: That's all. Yeah, I mean they have the capability and built-out capabilities for both, but this transformation of the core business to the kind of um TikTok competitor with Reels is been extremely AI intensive and required a lot of PL resources and CapEx also. So
0: um, I'm going to let Walter read this because he is probably the most triggered on this topic. TikTok. I'm not triggered at all about
2: this. This is just a, you know, this is the way. Yeah, the Walt world.
1: is cool, calm and collected. He's your inspiration,
2: Rich. This is about TikTok. And I just wonder how our our social media department represented that all of Lightshed um, is certain that TikTok is not going to get banned when I think on this podcast, I viewed the risks there. So, And then you did it again on CNBC today. I did. So let's read some of the tweets, the 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 new stuff, which is breaking. The U.S. demanded that TikTok's Chinese owners sell their stakes in the company or face a possible ban of the app in the United States. TikTok CEO says a sale of the app won't solve U.S. concerns over data security and foreign influence. We didn't really need that tweet in there. That's fine. The real people that are triggered, triggered uh, Rich um are some of the media people. And in this case someone from NBC, Ben Collins, who might be familiar to some of you, who tweets the following. The number one way to permanently and irreparably nuke your chances with the Gen Z electorate is to be the party that takes credit for banning TikTok. And remember, they're going to outlive us all. So this so according to Ben, I guess that if you're a Gen Zer, and if the Democrats take control, even though it's a bipartisan issue, or take credit for banning TikTok, that if Trump gets the nomination, that they're going to go out and vote for Trump. That's what a Gen Z guy is going to do, or woman. That's Ben from NBC. Yeah,
0: it, Look, it, it's it's obviously who's hyperbole. triggered now.
1: Who, who's triggered? It's hyperbole. Called, it's called hyperbole. It's exactly. And you know that that's one of my,
2: what's one of the things that that does that drive you crazy. Yes,
1: it, it's not what's happening with TikTok. I'm it's surprised hy- though. If it's the hyperbole
2: getting, reaction.
1: I see what? your temperature what? rising right now, Walt. I asked
2: some Gen Z people because I do interact with a lot of Gen Zers um, as a parent and the friends of these kids, and I showed them this tweet, and I got responses from. The funny, like, uh, was one of the responses <laughs> to um, uh-huh. something more, something more thoughtful. Worrying about TikTok over student loan debt and wealth inequality isn't going to appeal to young voters. Or maybe I, I do like that the wealthy kids are worried about wealth inequality. Though. They hundred percent are, Brandon. Yeah, they one hundred percent are.
0: That's why is it such
2: a national security risk to watch videos of people guessing if objects are real or, or cake? That was another one. And then, (laughs) and then one of the groups delved, started going down this wormhole that I'll just give you the lead in tweet on this or text, excuse me. It was, I just need a younger president to run this country. And that's already, and that's already too much of an ask.
1: (laughs) Well, DeSantis, Uh, are they going to vote for for DeSantis?
0: (laughs) I don't know how old is he? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Let, a lot younger
1: than Biden, a lot younger than Trump. I'll tell you that.
0: <laughs> okay, um we're, we're moving he still
1: on. Still has a very nice full head of hair. No, but I think it's important. What do we think ultimately? And I'll ask both of you guys this is gonna happen with this uh TikTok saga. Something
2: like, has something is going to happen. Maybe it's not a full ban. Something's but, gonna
1: happen, yes. <laughs>
2: no, no, no. I mean like Okay, nothing happening is basically what Rich has said on CNBC. Okay. Something is the opposite of nothing, correct? Okay, fair. So maybe there's a way for them to figure out some level of appeasement to stop the drum, the drumbeat. But like you have the president of the United States, whoever that person is, like saying that there should be a ban. You've got bipartisan support for it. Like, I don't know how you don't think that 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 progress that continues to progress into some type of action.
1: But what do you think that action is? Well, the the interesting thing is in
0: in the in the Wall Street Journal that broke the story about the actual ban, If you read the bottom of the article, then it says, well, but a ban is actually really complicated. And it's not clear how the government actually like if China doesn't want this to be sold, what are they actually going to do? What is the process for actually getting it out?
1: Yeah. And are you going to just outright ban it? Are you going to make that move? And this goes back to our discussion from last week about how this would fit in the greater context of foreign relations and our overall China strategy.
2: I mean, there's a lot of large companies that have the power to deplatform them who are under their own regulatory strain. So who knows? Maybe there's bargains on those fronts.
0: Many things are possible. I'm, I'm betting this is like you say often, Walt. And we've seen with, with Ticketmaster and Live Nation, like a lot of political posturing. And I think this is a great, you know, thing to bang a drum around. But uh, my guess is it doesn't. I continue to believe it's not going anywhere. I could be wrong. but um, That's what I believe.
1: There's always, uh, I mean, the the solution that was arrived at during the Trump administration was a you know, purchase of the TikTok asset by Oracle, I believe, right? It was there... Walmart
0: and then Oracle. were the two that right. were sort of...
1: Um, I think Oracle is kind of like where it had ended. At, it was shaken out for a little bit yep. under Larry Ellison. Um, do you think there's any chance that we get back to that? And does Larry Ellison's involvement in Twitter um, kind of preclude that?
0: Ooh, maybe you can put Twitter and, and TikTok together. At the end of the day, that's window dressing if the, algorithm
1: is,
2: if the <laughs> algorithm is still controlled in, in China. But I think that's, again, one of those things that could happen to kind of um, cool the noise. Keep in mind that um, the FCC, I believe, who had the authority, has forced telecom companies in the United States to rip out all Huawei equipment.
1: Fair enough. Telco Corner Preview.
0: We've got Streamable, Netflix exploring possibility of building its own advertising tech after deal with Microsoft expires. Uh, No No shit. shit. (laughs) Like, this is the (laughs) stupidest tweet. Like, this is the stupidest, like, breaking news story that I've seen. And everyone seems to be talking about this week. Like, of course, we've always said from day one, this was the fastest way to get in was to work with Microsoft or or their other partners. People are sort of talking about like Microsoft deal isn't going very well. It's still, you know, I, look, Netflix is going to build their own ad tech. It's going to be a process of several years. And a huge I think there's ad sales sh- force. Yeah. And I just think like, you know, you don't go out and hire, um, you know, Jeremy and and Peter Naylor over from, from <laughs> Snap. Um, and, she, you know, Jeremy came, Jeremy Gorman came from Amazon. Naylor was uh, head of ad sales at Hulu. Like, you don't go out and hire people like that you're not planning on doing more and more of this in-house over time, like they're going to build this big team. But so I just, it was funny that that was sort of like this big story this week of like Netflix sort of, you know, unhappy with Microsoft and maybe they even move it up faster. I don't think that's going to happen, but the other it thing that sort obviously,
1: of, no, let's like stick on this for a second. Okay. okay? Sure. I the other, the other thing with it is it ta- it's going to take a long time for them to, to, ramp and figure out what infrastructure they need and hire the right people and integrate them into their organization. So the, you know, two years on this Microsoft deal, um, are probably going to get played out, um, to the end. The question I have is Microsoft clearly has made this a strategic ambition and there's a reason they did the Netflix deal and they want to build something, um, for connected TV and ad tech, going back to it, do they want to take a run at Hulu?
0: Well, um, hold on. I I, I don't disagree, but I want to just call a a slight audible just because I think it sort of relates to the advertising side here because (laughs) the the advertising numbers in terms of like, you know, you, you talk about Microsoft brand and like maybe Microsoft goes out and buys Hulu Maybe you know Netflix's ad sales is still at a very early stage. Microsoft would be a big player in ad sales. There's a story out today that Disney Plus users didn't really take the advertising tier. 94% of them, according to Antenna, and LightShed Ventures is an investor in Antenna, but according to Antenna, 94% took the $3 higher price increase rather than staying on the ad or staying at the lower price and taking ads, which means. Similar to Netflix, very few people with Disney Plus are getting ads. And so I think this just is a long-winded way of sort of getting at what you're saying, Brandon. If you really wanted to have a major player in advertising with big scale, multi-billion dollar scale in CTV advertising, Hulu's like this really interesting chess piece. right? Like Disney Plus doesn't have multiple billions of advertising. Netflix doesn't have multiple billions. Hulu is the only place that you could buy yeah. and have multiple billions of CTV advertising right now.
1: And by the way, I mean, the DNA of that company is advertising, Like, right? That's it's, uh, like from the ground up. Like when Jason was building the company, it was fully ad-based and they've innovated in advertising units and ad tech over time. I, I think it's a very interesting piece for Microsoft. The problem I just wonder if we're making a mistake. The piece, Are there other
0: people? Do you think the, there's the, other people we're not thinking about? I, uh, well, <laughs> I don't know. I I'm just throwing it I out thought, there. If I thought that, then
1: you're like, I, I, isn't that kind of, then I would say it. <laughs> right?
0: Well, I don't what know. What do you think about what about Apple? I mean, if Apple bought Hulu, would that be crazy? I mean, it's obviously a thirty billion dollar price tag, but I is mean, it crazy?
1: Apple's been trying to build their own. I don't know how successful that's been. I mean, I guess you have Ted Lasso that came back this week. Other than that, no one's really buzzed about anything on Apple um, in in a little while. Uh, this is a question for Walt. I mean, Walt downgraded the stock. Talked about service revenue being kind of. Not just um, overrated, but kind of not that inspiring. What do you think, Walt?
2: Well, a couple things. First off, after the downgrade, well, maybe it happened before. I didn't check. I lost my screeners account from Apple, so I'm unable to screen all of the episodes of Ted Lasso like I was able to in the past. That is unfortunate. It could have. It could have happened. What do you mean? It's not a matter of paying for it. It's a matter of. Oh, you want it all
0: at once? Yeah,
2: Netflix style. Yeah, I still um, don't have
0: Netflix screeners. I've never had Netflix. I think
2: screeners. I think Brandon, it, it would help um, to start to provide more credibility into their ability to grow services or re-accelerate services, which is decelerating. But the third point is probably the most important. I mean, do you remember the largest acquisition that Apple made is Beats? Like they don't do acquisitions. Right, it's three billion. They don't do right. acquisitions. Can
1: they, I also comment? They don't on do acquisitions and also if they are to do an acquisition in this environment when they already have a target on their back um vis-a-vis the app store which is their real bread and butter then does that hurt them overall it's it's a risky move for them
2: to make it i mean rich's rich's take on that has been well netflix you know they built from zero and they didn't have to buy and we just have to be patient so maybe we just have to be patient for them to continue to build a content library and more diversity of, of new shows that are coming out.
0: Yeah. The only thing that sort of fits is, is you would say the Hulu programming ethos-wise fits very nicely with what Apple's been building. If you think about the dropout in Dope Sick and the WeWork one that you really liked, Walt, um, I, We Crash or whatever it was called, like the, there there are many things that when you think about the sort of between the two companies... The content does feel like there's a very sort of like Apple-like push to the to the originals, not obviously all the broadcast TV stuff. How, you see
1: however, there, Rich, that that really just brings up another question, which is what assets are going with Hulu uh, yeah. if they sell Hulu? Because you're talking about FX, which Landgraf, last I checked, is an employee of Disney. Um, yeah, and right. he, is he going to be shipped for a player to be named later to, to to Apple, or for like, you know, the ghost of Philip Schiller or something? <laughs> like, <Yeah. laughs>
0: I don't know. It's an interesting idea. Uh, I just again, we'll we'll move on. But I'm just no, 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 no. We're in not my moving head. on. I know okay, we're not it. moving on because Sorry. I would
2: like to go back to a stat um, that you provided that you complimented. That you said ninety four percent of of the customers stuck with yeah. the three dollar increase. Yes. What is what's the inverse of ninety four percent, Rich? Six, but I'm nervous. Six. So if it, so, oh, why are you
1: nervous? So if it, so <laughs> you thought I, it was so, four.
2: <laughs> so can you imagine if Verizon or ATT and T, when they when they already did increase price several dollars of ARPU per month. Then reported six percent churn in that quarter. How is ninety four percent?
0: This isn't churn. This is people that took the advertising, stayed on the lower price, took advertising, but didn't and probably didn't generated, generated the ones higher. higher that went RCO. to
2: advertising or no?
0: No, no, no. They they had a seven ninety nine product. Correct. They raised it to ten ninety nine. Right. If you 94%. didn't want advertising, you had to take the price increase. If you so wanted you advertising, seven. Seven ninety nine, you could you stay. You You didn't go to zero. Okay. No, nobody. I mean, I look. I'm sure somebody churned. Of course, I'm not. I'm not uh, I mean, I, there's I'm not, not the I'm churn not,
1: in the period. Yeah. You know, so I'm not, it's
0: not.
2: But it's yeah. not six percent. It's six percent status quo, and then they got ninety four percent converting up. So I guess the difference here is it's almost like a a telco corner ability to increase someone to a higher rate plan. In 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 uh, their case, they just forced everyone up. As opposed well, to trying y- to attract yes. them, well,
1: they gave they, them an option, so it was a little more friendly than um, what the telcos do. The telcos just sort right. of raise your price. They said you could stay at the same price, but you get advertising. but, now, was it, but, I, but
2: Brandon, was it opt in or opt out? Like, did you automatically
0: go up, or did you automatically opt-out? went up? So it's not you, the yeah. same. And, and, and it worse than opt-in that, opt out is a major. I, I know, but let me just give you one more data point. Most of it, investors who like Disney thought most people would stay at $7.99 and that they would generate more than $3 of ad sales. And we're looking at staying at the lower price as a positive. So is now so, a negative? Yes. That's what's fucking insane. Like literally, I th- you know, it shows the pricing power, which I think is yeah for us really important. But I think investors were thinking, oh, they're going to get 12 or $13 with advertising. But very few people actually did it. It's It's just interesting.
1: Here's a question that I have about the broader applicability and what we can learn from uh, that 94%. Is it just that the Disney plus content, you know, being kids content a, a lot and you don't want any ads near your kids even though they wouldn't be there anyway, but you don't know that when you're when you're looking at it and the fact that there's a lot of movies And you don't know how interruptive that would have been to your movies or shows like Mando, which you want to watch straight through. Is that why the, um, most people moved up?
2: No, I, this is my analysis on this. I'm going to just, this is like, it's here making, making up numbers on the fly. No one moved up, meaning that like they were opted in. They probably, most people probably didn't even recognize. So for the 6%, represents the people that actually recognized it and then were right. triggered so the reality is let's say six percent was a 30 percent disconnect rate because you were getting a price a price increase mm-hmm. probably only tw- less than 20 percent of customers look at their bill which brings me back to telco corner on why they should increase <laughs> price everyone's on auto bill pay they don't recognize when you're jacking them an extra two bucks a month you just do it you're so consumer friendly Well. What do you mean it's the opposite of consumer friendly? I'm saying that they That's, should <laughs> that they should do this.
1: <laughs> you're saying that they should just keep jacking them, yeah. right? That's not consumer friendly.
2: <laughs> I mean, if you're gonna go on auto pay and ignore your bill, like unless we have regulations around this, not to change topics, but like this gets so to we'll, the ticketing. We'll to this later. this gets yeah. to what Biden says about ticketing and transparency. And like transparency comes in many different ways, like you could theoretically in any recurring revenue business, ban opt uh, opt out. Right? I mean, I don't know if you can, but you know that's one solution. Is as a just a, a blanket policy have no other opt outs. You have to opt into any. You have to reaffirm that you're going to be a customer or whatever it
1: is to get a higher price. That would be a tough law. I mean, do you know? It you would know be what, a horrible law for the companies. What, you know what business would get completely fucking decimated? All, all recurring revenue
2: businesses, but <laughs>
1: Jim's, Jim's, Jim's would be absolutely fucked. Um,
0: uh, let's so move on.
1: Wanna, why don't we get back to this? Yes. Se- I guess we went a little off course. The second. I, I know.
0: I know. I just wanted to. It, it just fit better to stick on advertising versus to get totally. stuck on Netflix. But we've got Casey Moore tweets out. The initial bump of cancel Netflix trending in Canada has subsided. Still above average before new password sharing was introduced. I would say it is just marginally. You look at, we have a chart here, Google Trends on cancel Netflix. Like it has come down very, very quickly. Like within a several weeks, you've got a dramatic reduction. It just sort of shows you just like they had in Chile, like they had, you know, when they rolled this out in some Latin American territories, the initial reaction is, oh my God, you're going to charge me more money for, you know, other people using my account and I'm going to just... I guess the knee jerk is I'm just going to cancel because this is annoying or I don't like this or it's going to cost me more. And so there's certain people that just cancel. And then as people sort of learn that this doesn't really change their actual bill, um, that it, it quickly settles in and things normalize.
1: Yeah, I think what was interesting about this is this has obviously been a pretty big client focus on Netflix. And investors are concerned. Investors have been concerned. I think a lot of them are searching Twitter. And obviously, you're going to get the vocal minority who who are going to right. talk. And if you want to find those people, it's not that difficult to find those people. But there was sort of this idea out of um, last week's conference that the company was messaging that things didn't, you know, didn't go well in Canada. I'd say
0: when we met with Netflix um, earlier this week, I'd say the the thing that stuck out most about this sort of Canada issue was not so much um, that every that this is tricky. This is a tougher price increase than a normal price increase. But ultimately, what really that first of all, there's no change. They're moving forward with password sharing. Password sharing is net positive to revenue. Yeah. It is, it is not a immediate pickup in revenue. It takes time for people to understand it and to 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 adjust. But I, you know, I think when you you sort of listen to the senior team at Netflix who who we saw, like it just doesn't feel like there's been any fundamental altering of strategy based on this sort of, you know, what what investors see. And I think that they're already talking about data is already looking better. Like when I talk to people, like people are overreacting to every little data point, trying to read too much into it. Password sharing is rolling out over the first half around the world in all the major markets. It started in some of the smaller markets. I know people are worried, oh, it didn't happen in the US before the end of Q1. It's going to happen over the course of the first couple of quarters. And my guess is Queen Charlotte's coming out in May, I wouldn't be surprised. That's the spinoff of Bridgerton. I wouldn't be surprised yeah, that, if over the course like, of the next, yeah. you it know, sounds
1: like a good time to do it in the U.S. and U.K. Right? I mean, similar to our discussion about multi-view and YouTube earlier, um, that that would seem like a reasonable time. The other thing that I uh, that I um, uh, took away from that was on content spend. They, they're just really comfortable with their strategy of maintaining this $17 billion and really being able to generate more hits per billion, as they like to say, Correct. being much more efficient with the content spend that they they do have and just doing a better job reaching people. Um, so the, the other thing that we had heard a little bit from clients, on is, oh, are they like feeling better? Which is the opposite, right? Of, and this kind of shows you how this like investor world works. The opposite of, ooh, are they going to k- kill free cash flow and jack up content spend? Definitely didn't get that feeling at all. They're focused well, on making the most of what they are spending for as they communicated the, for the next couple of years
0: at least. I'd go one step further they recognize yeah. everybody else is pulling back so just by maintaining yes. 17 billion dollars of yeah. spend the gap is meaningfully widening, widening yes. right so they don't need to increase in order to have a larger gap it's just happening naturally and so my, my big takeaway free cash flow in 2024 is going to be up you know 3 plus billion this year there's going to be a lot of free cash flow in 2024 if they hold content spend and ramp revenue, 2024 yeah. is going to be a big year in cash. Um, let's uh let's move on to the next slide. So we've got um just sticking very quickly, we're gonna do this real quick with the this is from Lucas Shaw. TV viewership fell five percent last month. Who cares? More importantly, Tubi is now as popular <laughs> as Peacock and almost as popular as HBO Max. Now, the HBO Max is sort of silly because it doesn't include all of the HBO linear viewing, but I do think it's sort of wild that 2B TV and, and Peacock are essentially the same size. Obviously, 2B being fully free. Peacock, obviously, this is without the help of the Olympics and, you know, sort of normalized um, Peacock. Just sort of interesting that those two are like sort of the same size. Nielsen. You're you're
2: quoting Nielsen ratings, Rich. Just I, wanted, I, I just want to clarify this was- that
0: because you didn't
2: point that out to our podcast listeners. And I'm I'm just gonna say this this the that chart doesn't pass my sniff test. I don't I just don't believe that HBO Max is 1.3. percent Sorry,
0: too well, well, high you, or too low, too low. What about how do you watch? How, 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 wait, hold on, hold on. When you when you watch HBO, how do you watch it? Do you watch do it mean? on your? Did you watch HBO when something came on nine o'clock on a on a Sunday, like mm-hmm. House of Dragon? Did you watch it on HBO Max, the app, or did you watch it on Directv?
2: I've only ever watched HBO Max on the app,
0: ever. Okay. I I still think there's a lot of viewership of like House of Dragon and all you know all of their originals. Last you know the Last of Us. Like I think a lot of it's still happening nine o'clock on the MVPD like cable satellite. Like that's part of what you're.
1: I think that's part of it, Rich. I think the other part is like kind of the HBO strategy. Even though they've broadened a, a little bit. Which is to just have like one or two great shows out at a time and to release them on a weekly basis, such that maybe you're only watching one hour a week of HBO, even though HBO is important to you and holds, you know,
2: that's a, that I will accept that as partial explanation for that, right? That it's important. It's a good return, but maybe the overall time spent there is, is as a result, exactly. impacted.
1: Whereas you might get lost in Netflix because there's so much content. The recommendation engine is a huge part of it, et cetera, et cetera.
2: Yeah, I'm, just still, that gap, I'm still pretty that surprised is that 2B's in that big. I, ga- I think that getting lost gap has closed between Netflix and the other apps. The technology has proceeded along at HBO and a lot of these things. They're getting much better.
0: You realize when I open up Disney Plus, it's not personalized in any way for me.
2: What do you mean? They have profiles.
0: Yes, but they actually show algorithmically. Us. They're not algorithmically. Do they have enough too. content
2: to even require that? I, I wouldn't compare Disney with HBO Max.
0: Um,
1: Is HBO Max? Let's HBO Max at-
2: says yes. I think HBO Max has a has a decent diversity of of content. That's why I'm surprised that the percentages were th- where
1: they were i'll tell you this i mean hbo max as it transitions to the name just max and adds well, that's gonna make discovery content it's gonna have a whole lot more there do you think Algorithm will matter more at that point, or do you think it'll just be just tiled out anyway, and people will go to the tiles? They like.
2: I mean, you know my view on algorithms. It it, it the, the most important algorithm are going to exist outside of the app in the in the things that provide me discovery across all of my apps. Meta search. Yeah, I just and think. Look, really I, you know, one of on the that. things I learned at our dinner. This is this is like stated in the obvious, but yep. if you were if you companies unstated. But if you work at a company that's designing that homepage that has other corporate interests, when maybe your goal in life is to provide something that's really good for the the user, but you've got internal pressures of people that want to put other assets that exist at that company on that homepage, thereby negatively impacting your so if you're truly purpose-driven like netflix where you just you're doing one thing obviously you're gonna have an advantage in that way as opposed to other companies that are answering to multiple internal pressures of things that they that they need to put on that screen
1: i was gonna say though um and this is not the company you're talking about at all um i use you know google television the integration is amazing with youtube tv but they're very good at recommending tons of other content that they have nothing to do with yeah so. on the
2: flip side google tv google drives me nuts on youtube trying to get me to upgrade to to their commercial free youtube i'm literally oh, they have me I'll so go. worn down that i'm just going to pay it so they can stop doing the pop-ups which are annoying can we move on to the next line yes everyone's got their issues <laughs> <laughs> And I've got many of them, okay. So, Telco Corner,
1: Brandy, just are cool just collected.
2: <laughs> exactly. Uh, <laughs> Forbes, um, reports Ryan Reynolds. Everyone's heard of him. Um, Brexham, yeah, known some, for some, some,
0: uh, some alcohol brand, too, right now. Alcohol and,
2: and his uh, kid
0: is
1: in Scarlett's
0: nursery Marvel class.
2: <laughs> nice. His he has a he was an investor in, in a company, Mint Mobile, that was acquired for T Mobile by 1.3 billion. It probably takes a couple hundred mil out of that. Good price that um that Mint got just you know, basics, it's on T Mobile's network anyway. Um, probably not a huge deal. What's interesting, I, I tied this, I want to tie this into another tweet this week. Charter pitches free mobile line to SMBs. And you might ask, what what's the connection there? Subscriber lines. So when when Ryan Reynolds doesn't, or Mint Mobile doesn't doesn't actually disclose the lines. I think there's probably a little bit under 2 million lines at Mint Mobile. We're not going to say it. I mean, I think when T-Mobile rolls this in, it's going to be just kind of a a subscriber adjustment. But a lot of times when you do subscriber adjustments, you can also roll in maybe purges of customers, cleanups, as they they call them in the industry. I don't know if they're going to do that or not, but (laughs) when you have... We don't have full transparency on on things. That tends to what happened. But same thing with Charter. Not same thing, but like this is the issue in the industry. Like, are sublines even relevant? I mean, it, it's about revenue. If Charter's handing out free lines, T-Mobile's got a lot of free line activations. You know, is should this be a, a relevant metric for the wireless industry anymore? Or you know, should investors be focused on what that sequential service revenue growth looks like? Rich, what do you think?
0: i mean i think look i think it's always about revenue growth like i mean that seems like the focus right what they should be focused on what's this what's
2: the what's the metric that you think charter investors are looking at for this a stock that's now down to 350 again for the second shoe to drop that could theoretically drop it below three they've already investors are already concerned about subscriber growth maybe it's alleviated from uh some of the fiber yeah. pullback. What's free the, what's the next year to drop? Yeah, I was no. going to say it's it.
0: I mean, free cash flow, maybe. Yeah, I think how about a free ARPU? cash flow. I mean, how about ARPU? I mean, I don't understand why art again ARPU versus subs, like it, why doesn't it just tie into ultimately revenue and free cash flow? It seemed like what I would think they should be most focused on. I mean, I do agree. Sometimes investors focus on the wrong things. Well, I think the
2: bulls, that. the the residual bulls in Charter would say. Yeah, you know what? We're not growing as much, but we can still continue to increase price, getting consumers up on higher and higher broadband plans. The challenge, though, is
0: your point is if they can't raise ARPU, then it really starts to freak people out about free cash flow.
2: Right. It's the second true drop in terms of yeah. the top line growth story.
1: So let's so you, talk about the drivers that will allow them or not allow them to broadband, keep, keep raising uh, broadband pricing. Mm-hmm. And that comes down to. Competition, 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 competition. <laughs> competition, competition, competition. Good one, Brandon.
2: Good segue. <laughs> right? Yes. Um, but there's, an, but there's a headwind though. If you give out a free line, you have to amortize a portion of that broadband bundled revenue to mobile, and then that's going to give you a headwind on on the broadband ARPU that that you can reflect. So maybe at some point, you know, we always look for when companies stop reporting metrics. I always remember when the wireless industry stopped reporting cost per gross ad. You knew that it was going to go from six hundred to like two thousand or whatever it is when they had to subsidize all the iPhones. Um, if all of a sudden you know Charter doesn't break out <laughs> wireless service revenue, part of that might be because the service revenue is effectively going to be an amortization of free lines that they're passing out that are would be negatively impacting the broadband revenue and imputed ARPU. Are you following what I'm saying?
1: Oh, I'm podcast following what you're saying. That's called math.
2: that's just called math. a contra revenue. <laughs> it's just math,
1: right?
2: So let's <laughs> watch math. for that. Let's watch for that because you know um, metrics do tend to reduce in this industry over time in terms of you know one metric they've never reported though, rich churn. But let's go move on to the next. Let's do it. <laughs> slide. Well,
0: this looks vomit like, vomit on a screen yeah, for our listeners like for podcast a, listeners.
1: Yeah, this is a complete. If if you look at this page, there's just a lot of capital letters all over here. There's five tweets from Robert Smith here. What does this look like to you, Walt? <laughs> this page. Before we go on, just look the at
2: the all it. the all caps is just is bringing me back to this past weekend when we were having <laughs> you know trauma with our portfolio companies that had money in Silicon Valley Bank, and and uh, Jason Calcanis was tweeting all caps about the end of the world. And then took credit and then took credit somehow because he's like, oh, people in D.C., you know, listen to our podcast. So that's that's why they they guaranteed the deposits.
1: Yeah. The all in the all in podcast. It was all about all in. It's it's always always about Jason, Jason Calcanis just changing the world for the better.
0: Thank you, Jason.
1: And (laughs) I think I think his investment into Uber just did it all. Yes. (laughs) All right. So. This is. These are all tweets from Robert Smith um, from The Cure. And uh, as you know, this is going to rhyme. The Cure is going on tour.
0: You're and, not going to read all of these, I assume.
1: No, I'm not going to read all of these. Thank but God. I think the overall here is kind of a snapshot of some of the problems that um, are going on in ticketing. And Robert Smith, you know, expressed some frustrations. And by the way, we had Irving Azoff for a meeting this week who is going completely and utterly bonkers um, about, uh, about a lot of the problems in ticketing and sort of the misplaced focus on Live Nation as an entity. But this is from Robert Smith. I am as sickened as you all are by today's Ticketmaster fees debacle to be very clear. The artist has no way to limit them. I have been asking how they are justified. If I get anything coherent by way of an answer, I will let you know. And so what was happening was they were trying to keep ticket prices low, but then um, people, fans were going to check out and the fees were exorbitant. And this is a huge topic that we've discussed Everybody kind of needs to get paid in this ecosystem. It's like the venues need to get paid. Uh, Ticketmaster needs to get paid um, and so on and so forth. And so what wound up happening um, was for some reason, Ticketmaster decided to lower the fees that were charged in the verified fan on sale um, by $10 and I think $5 um, in the general on sale. So basically what would happen is if they were to, re, it, you essentially would have a reallocation of fees if they're going to wind up cutting what is you know brought in or shown as as fees. What should happen is all in ticket pricing. So,
0: one, I t- mean, The price isn't like, changing. Tickets are not going to get cheaper. They're just going to get all folded in as one thing.
1: But the consumers shouldn't be shocked by that when they check out. It causes a really bad experience. That's that's the facts of the matter. I'm not yeah. sure why Ticketmaster decided to appease him and return five and ten dollars. Maybe they wanted just the rhetoric to die down at this time. Yes. Um, but that's <laughs> but that's something we could ask them. Look, the maybe other- they can
0: learn from maybe they can learn from YouTube TV. Soon as you click on the ticket, maybe it should pop up and say, "This is what the all-in price is going to be with all of these fees," and not surprise you. Maybe it's just how it's communicated. Walt likes when YouTube TV comes up and says, "Hey, you're going to be charged more starting now," rather than seeing it in a bill, you know, a month mm-hmm. later.
2: Did Disney yeah. do that in their
0: app when they increased price by three dollars? They did. They did. It showed oh, no, up in my in my app. No, you got an email. I don't think you showed up in the app. It only got difference. an email, I believe. Yeah, New New movies their emails, mean. right, Brandon?
1: <laughs> <laughs> I only have 200,000 of them unread. <laughs> Um, So that's, but that's a big, that transparency is a big part of this fair ticketing act that Azov and people from live nation and um, some of the other agencies and labels have, have, you know, proposed and signed on to the other issue that, beca- that was shown here was what was going on in secondary and I'll read this one from Robert Smith. All the, quote, secondary ticket market sites showing insanely price cure tickets are a con. Not one of these scammers has a genuine ticket for sale. Please don't fall for it. Wait to see how you get on through the official registration channel. And this is, again, you have scalpers who are causing a lot of the problems in this industry. Who are advertising tickets that they don't even have. And then, of course, as we've discussed, using bots, you know, to either um, acquire tickets and resell them at very high prices um, or to kind of jam up the on sales. So a lot of there are real problems in the ticketing industry. We've discussed them many times and, you know, they need to be fixed. There's not much more to say.
0: But I'm not sure it's really a problem for Ticketmaster or Live Nation stock, the way people sort of fear. I think there's that that fear feels misplaced, well, the, honestly.
1: The the fear is the DOJ continues to make inquiries and we don't have what's called a rational um administration right now vis-a-vis the DOJ and FTC. And there is a fear that they will wind up having to be dragged through the mud and go to court. Um, before ultimately being vindicated, and that will remain an overhang on the stock.
0: Okay, let's go to our next slide. We've got a f- friend of Lightshed, a friend of the pod, Mike O'Reilly Walt.
2: Yes, and former FCC commissioner. Rich, why don't you set, before we go into this exact tweet, why don't you set up what happened in media land
0: with the FCC recently? Yeah, well, I mean, like last month, the FCC decided to send. Um, the uh, Standard General Tegna, which were two TV local TV station broadcasters, affiliate groups, decided to refer it to an ALJ, effectively killing the merger. I mean, they're still trying to fight it, but it, everyone knows once you go to the ALJ, it's a death sentence for a merger.
2: Right, good point. And that's, you know, you set it up perfectly before referring to a nation of laws. ALJ stands for administrative law judge. You don't go in front, like the DOJ would have to sue you and you could prove it in court. That's why we've talked historically on this podcast about, like, you know, if you get sued, these so maybe the companies will fight it. With ALJ, it's hard to do that because it. And when Michael Riley was the commissioner of the FCC, this is this is a cause that he championed, and he tweets lots of discussion in aftermath. 3, the FCC's ALJ referral as something from a banana republic. Few has spent more time than me criticizing it. That's true. Seems like only Congress or courts can fix. So I think you know that's a good point. Like I think you know, our we should look at this as a um, government and say, like, is this the right way to deal with companies? The question is, (laughs) if you're the administration, that's the power that you have. So which you know, and it goes flips back and forth. Like both sides effectively want the power, the bully pulpit power of the FCC's ability to refer to the ALJ. If you believe in your, if you believe in your case, all right. Now I'm getting riled up. No, I know. It's just to our friends at the FCC, if you really believe in your case and it's a decision between the DOJ pursuing it in a court of laws versus you referring it to this banana republic as described by former FCC commissioner Mike O'Reilly, then don't send it to the ALJ, prove it and let the, let the courts decide.
0: It's amazing what our government gets upset about merger-wise um, versus what seemed to be like retrans legislation is let's like not, let's not you know, let's not go down that's a totally different
2: that's a wholly it, different it topic just, rich um, you can get I upset know, about whatever just, you want you're using something that's effectively been described by the industry as a death penalty so like if verizon yes. wants to buy charter someday i fully admit re- that if the fcc decided to uh, to send that to the alj that's something i can't fight against but like if they actually send it like they let the doj fight that in a court because you can effectively choose jurisdiction in that in that regard, yeah. right? <clears throat> we'll see what the outcome would be.
0: We've got a tweet, uh, or uh, sorry, a story. Uh, this was actually a thing on Insider that hit last night. Snap's, quote, insane monetization is making it a new creator favorite, attracting stars like David Dobrik and paying another creator, paying other creators more than $10,000 some days. And this is still early days, but... This is part of our actually our top twenty three for twenty three. I don't think anyone is paying attention to what Snap is doing. So when you post, when a when a creator is posting just regular Snap stories, like think before Instagram stories, there was Snap stories. When you're just posting your what like whatever Charlie D'Amelio or David Dobrik are doing throughout their day, they've started to put ads mid but into those stories and are putting ads and they're generating real revenue. So it's it's not meaningful yet to overall Snap. Revenue, like, I don't think this is still very early, but, you know, we've seen sort of Instagram sort of move away from paying creators. TikTok still can't really figure out how to pay creators other than a fund. like Other than YouTube, Snap is becoming one of those only places where view time is actually directly impacting revenue. Just interesting. I don't think anyone is paying attention to this on Snap, and it's just something to keep your eye on as we move through 2023. Um, We hope to get a bunch of creators actually to do a light shed live um, to talk about this. Cause I, I do think this is something that is going to be more and more material as we move through 23.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's a way for them to also monetize spotlight by creators, totally. driving um, spotlight viewers to their snap stories where they monetize, but, The big thing for Snap is really going to be this sort of clean room and API integration that'll roll out over the next couple of months and will probably like really re-accelerate revenue regardless of what's going on in the ad. First one hurt,
0: first one hurt, first one back, like, or, you know, sort of like that.
1: Yeah. Well, obviously there, they were when they reported earnings last time in this um, down period as um, the algorithms changed and stuff. But they'll probably have real step function growth come back sometime probably around May. And then after that, they're going to really be reliant on monetizing from creators, monetizing in Snap Stories and directly um, in Spotlight. Walt. From
2: TechCrunch, Dish customers kept in the dark as ransomware fallout continues. (laughs) Okay. quick apology to our podcast listeners that we have not addressed this story for the month that it's been ongoing. Um, But as you may or may not have seen, Dish got hacked. It sounds like there was a a ransomware or someone asked them for money that shocker, Charlie didn't want to pay. Um, So as a result, like customers for a period of time, haven't been able to activate and then they couldn't pay their bills. So this is not. There was another disclosure that they put out yesterday saying the impact could be material. It's not. I mean, we've done some work on it. It's not the worst of what I heard in terms of you know activations. But there's definitely situations where customers have not been able to pay their bills. Um, I doubt that th- that Dish is going to go back. And, and when I say customers, boost as well as Directv satellite customers. Um, By the way, thank God I was able to churn before all this happened. (laughs) Maybe they wouldn't have been. Oh, no, that's sorry. That's DirecTV, wrong satellite (laughs) company.
1: (laughs) Um, um, So, this is how irrelevant they both are. Just let them merge. But did this stop? Nine bucks.
2: Yeah. And it comes at a time when there's questions about, you know, given the capital markets and the cost of capital and, and liquidity, like, you're, you know, this is just not a good time. And right before, by the way, Dish is about to launch some of their new postpaid services more broadly in markets and go on an advertising campaign to still be to a certain extent embroiled in these back office issues. It's just, it's not good. And it's not a good luck for the company. And frankly, the communication on it has not been, you know, they have not provided up to, you got to have like a crisis management person saying every day, here's where we are. Here's what we expect. So, so there's some communication to your customers and your distribution channels, on when people can expect to pay their bills or whatever. So and by the way, once they get everything back up, you're gonna have some angry customers. So there's gonna be some residual churn going to following quarters.
0: I mean, we're seeing Directv next week. This has got to be a field day for them, right? Just you know, this they got to be taking advantage of this. Like,
2: I mean, within a market that's overall shrinking pretty aggressively. Sure. But yeah. So, but anything's positive. But look, Directv in general, I think AT and T and and their their uh, financial owner TPG have been very happy about how that company has been managed um you know and and i think this past week they're taking on the retrans battle right rich um yep. so you it's know
0: getting we'll nastier and nastier there. uh we've Let's got see. our last slides we've got last slide we've got market watch amc shareholders approved the conversion of eight preferred equity into common stock so this is talk about inefficient markets we've got ape trading at a buck 37 <laughs> And we've got AMC trading at $4.23. They're going to become the same in four weeks. Like there's a lawsuit that's playing out to try to stop it. Assuming the lawsuit doesn't actually play out. um, If the lawsuit actually, they can't convert the equity, the company goes bankrupt. So you've got this, it either goes to zero or the two different equities converge. It's just amazing to me that the retail shareholders are still not aware of the fact that these two share classes are going to literally convert to just one share class within the course of the next four weeks. I've never seen anything like that, but just sort of just pointing it out, just Adam Aaron continues to screw the retail shareholders (laughs) that don't understand what actually is happening. He keeps talking about how amazing this is for shareholders as their stock just continues to fall and fall and fall and get more and more diluted. But, But the best thing that could have happened was Matt Bologna, who obviously was at the Oscars on Sunday night, He tweeted out that I guess this was the night before he goes best gift bag item AMC perfectly popcorn in the night before gift bag for the Oscars, which I'm sorry to tell Adam AMC CEO Adam Aaron tastes just like regular microwave popcorn. Um, By the way,
1: this AMC would be like a really good pair trade, right? Or arbitrage opportunity, except the probably the cost to borrow AMC.
0: Uh-huh. It must
1: be like 500%. <laughs> I, I,
0: I don't know. I, I just, I've never seen anything like it. Obviously like literally four weeks, to get, but four, four weeks to get paid and you're going to make, I mean, that's a pretty crazy spread. Three bucks on four. Like,
2: now for the record, I submitted a old Marcelo tweet where he, where he put up three middle fingers to people that doubted about the financial viability of WeWork. And I see that Ooh. today New Work has now uh, equi- equitized a billion five of their debt. <laughs>
1: uh, well, uh, well, next time you run into Marcelo at dinner, you can remind him of that. Well, this time I'll go out to Jared and say, hey, Jared, nice to
0: see you again. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's episode 150, everyone. Thanks so much.
1: You do that the one that makes me scream got to let this song play I wonder if the Tell Saudi is a portion
0: of that billion-five of
2: death.
1: You, have a good week, everyone.